We will now have a panel of two speakers who will share for 20 minutes. Please welcome Amanda. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Amanda. I'm a compulsive overeater, sugar addict, control freak, and et cetera, et cetera. So, hi. Hi. Um, I didn't think I'd be nervous, but having this little recording in front of me is making me a little nervous. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend it's not here. I'm so uh, grateful to be here with all of you guys on um, National Americans, you know, Eat Day. And um, it's, you know, I, I'm just reflecting as I was driving up here on what Thanksgiving used to be um, prior to program. And it would stop, it was, it was a worse day um, than the other days, but it would follow the same format of the other days, which is usually, it would start in the morning, with a mental um, flogging of what I'd eaten the previous day. Um, the kind of shame around, you know, trying on a pair of pants that fit two weeks ago and that now feel tight. Um, and then some sort of promise or deal I was making with myself that I was, that I was gonna restrict even though it was Thanksgiving because of what I'd eaten the day before and the plan around um, and this would go on for hours in the morning, and then at the end of the day, you know, I'd look back and uh, all of those plans just went to the wind, and it was baffling to me how I could start the day so, you know, resolute that I was not going to eat, or I was going to avoid these foods, or I was going to only eat this amount, and then something would happen, um, and it was a mystery to me what those somethings were before program. Now I'm very clear on what those somethings are, because um, when you're not in the food, they hit you, you know, right away, and you feel uh, you're so connected with your emotions and your feelings um, without using the substance to stuff them down that um, it, it's very obvious to me once I put down the food why I was using the food, um, but I was in therapy and as many commercial weight loss programs as you could imagine going I don't understand you know I I don't think I I don't think I eat more than my friends I don't think I have a weird relationship with food it must be my metabolism it must be my genes uh, I mean I used uh, all, all of them all the tricks and um Let's see, so let me start back with what it was like. So as a kid growing up, I was raised by a single mother who had her own issues with weight and body. Um, I became her diet and then binge buddy. So we would go on the diet together. You know, I was, I think I was in sixth grade and I remember her packing a slim fast shake for me in my lunchbox. And I remember feeling the first feeling of shame and panic around how am I gonna explain to my friends at school that I have not a normal kid lunch, that I have a slim fast shake. In my, like, so I begged her to at least pour the contents of the shake, that was very obvious what it was, into a nondescript kind of like thermos so at least I could try it. But that was, I think, the first um, conscious experience I have of, of lying, you know, and manipulating and trying to, you know, um, figure out a way I would lie to my friends, like, oh, this is a new soup, chocolate soup my mom and I are making, you know, trying to make it sound cool. Um, and her just not getting, you know, what that must be like for a little six-year-old, or sorry, sixth grader, which I don't know what the corresponding age is, but too young to be on commercial weight loss products. Um, Lord only knows how that stunted my <laughs> further development. Um, the first memory of food, though, that I have, um, and overusing food and noticing that I was different, was when I had to be in daycare a lot, because my mom was a working mom, she was single, 
Um, and the the babysitter would make you know big pots of, of very economical um, but very probably chemicalized and bad for you type of food, and um, she would just sort of dole out you know a scoop or whatever to all the little kids, and I remember them eating it putting their plates away, going off and playing, and I remember me going off with them and then sneaking back into the kitchen up on the stool and just, you know, um, trying to shove it in as fast as I could and not get caught. Um, And I remember then being obsessed with that food over the weekends when I wasn't at the babysitter. I was with my mom, and I would beg her to make that food, and she would try her own from scratch homemade versions of that food, and I would reject them because they weren't the thing, right? Um, and she finally had to call the babysitter and say, what are you feeding my daughter? Like <laughs> She wants it all the time. And um, needless to say, it's not a healthy food. So um, fast forward, because my mom and I did you know, the diet and binge cycle, that was the only way I knew how to keep my compulsive overeating in check. And I didn't know there was another way. And so I perpetuated that um, training through college, through after college, and and it would always get worse because I do believe that this is a progressive disease. So physically it got worse, meaning after every binge, I would binge harder after the restriction and my weight would come up higher, so I was starting at a higher weight. So if you track my history, it just sort of dips and dips and goes up. Um, But it was this baffling um, experience of, you know, I'd be on whatever diet at the time, and then unexplicably, I would start with the trying to, you know, slip and slide and uh, and justify. And um, looking back now, it was because I had put the food down on those diets, um, and life was unmanageable without my drug. And I would always go back to the, to the drug. It was um, it was my most common, and still is my most common reaction to life. And I work on um, substituting program tools every day for the desire to want to pick up when my life is, is difficult as it is now. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so I, rem- I, I dieted and, and restricted, restricted and binged my way all the way up to almost 300 pounds. So when I, and I'm 5'4". So when I came into these rooms, um, it was very clear to me that um, my life had become unmanageable. I was physically uncomfortable. I couldn't stand in, stand up for more than 10, 15 minutes at a time. Um, just getting dressed and ready in the morning was a physical task. Um, sitting on a plane comfortably, let alone like, you know, having to ask for the seatbelt extender was mortifying. So I was really trying to get out of travel. Um, I bought a bigger car because I was terrified that my seatbelt and my little Honda Civic was gonna start you know, not being able to fit and I was really ashamed to try to ask for some sort of extender. So I just bought an SUV thinking that would solve my problem. Um, but to my surprise, when I went and picked up that car, the seatbelt was still tight and I was just like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? So um, I came into OA in a very roundabout way. I had dated somebody uh, in my late 20s who suffered from depression, and I got a random email from him. He turned out to be my Eskimo saying, hey, um, just just FYI, I'm, I'm working a 12-step program around my depression called Depression Anonymous, and it's modeled after AA, and I'm doing so much better now, I just thought you might wanna know. And I went, huh, I wonder if there's something like that for food, because he had it so severely, you know, it was, it was crippling. And um, I thought, wow, if he's able to be helped. And he was also 
the most staunchly atheist person I'd ever met in my life. And so I thought, okay, if he's in a 12-step program, and and that's sort of what kept me away from it, was all this God talk. I was like, I don't... Um, so I, I went to a San Mateo meeting. I was living in San Mateo at the time. I had pulled a geographic from LA and moved up here and my problems with food followed me. Surprise, surprise. And, um, I walked into that meeting and, um, nobody was fat. And I was like, what? And, and by the way, the chairs had, uh, arms that like I couldn't quite squeeze in, so I was like, "This is lame. <laughs> this is supposed to be for fat people, and you have cha- you have like arms on your chairs that prevent fat people from sitting in it." Um, and at that point, you know, chairs with arms would dig into the side of me, and so I sort of perched myself on the edge, like, "What is this place?" Um, and I uh, I heard my story. It just happened to be a speaker rotating format that night, and she talked about being at a dis-ease with life. And, and yes, the food, right? So that was there too. Um, but it really, it really resonated with me. And as I thought about it um, between my first and second meeting, I was like, yeah, that's the general feeling I have is like when I was 10, I had this vision of what my life would look like that was complete fantasy made up of Lord knows what Disney movies and books and things. And my life was like very far afield from that fantasy. And I was in complete and and utter, um, you know, flailing and upset over this. And I hadn't really come to terms with, you know, these concepts of life on life's terms, progress, not perfection, and creating a life that might be a little bit more real than the life you thought up as a 10-year-old. And um, I, but I heard, I heard that her struggle was my struggle and that now nine years later, she was peaceful. And that's what I wanted. And um, I, I kept going back to meetings. Um, I, I, was, I had very uh, strong clarity at that point, and looking back on it, I'm really grateful for that, is that I had the gift of desperation around the physical side. So I, I said to the person I asked to be my sponsor, I said, I'm very clear I don't know how to feed myself. If I did, <laughs> if I had a food plan that worked, I wouldn't be here. Um, or I found food plans and I couldn't stick to them or whatever. And you guys have, you know, so I, I, I surrendered the food right away. I said, you tell me what to eat and I will follow direction without an argument from me. And, um, and that was, that was very, um, that was a gift at the time. Um, I've since had a couple moments where I take my will back around the food and it's so painful, but it's painful in a different way from the original pain, which was, you know, the physical pain of being in a body almost 300 pounds. So um, I started, I started, I got abstinent and, and putting the food down, you know, all the stuff that used to happen on the old diets came up and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know where to put it. Um, I didn't know how to handle most of it was anxiety. Um, and I realized uh, under the anxiety that it was, there was just a lot of fear. There was fear that my life wouldn't turn out the way I wanted it to, that you know my mom wouldn't get sober and our relationship would be you know forever ruined. I had fear that um, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't get the recognition and praise I wanted from a career standpoint. I mean, it was just I was living in the future disaster of my life instead of in the present, and it was causing me to freak myself out and eat over it. And so. Part of working the steps realized, I realized my part in all this, which is I was in a prison of my own making. 
nothing was really happening to me that was super scary other than my, my act, very active disease, which I was now in a very safe you know, space recovering from. And, um, and as I was doing the fourth step, you know, I, I, was so, um, I was so sensitive to any kind of criticism my whole life because it felt like I tried so hard to be perfect. How dare you, like, how dare you criticize me, right? My whole world is gonna crumble down. Um, and it, I really struggled with this idea of character defects because I'm like, uh, you know, I'm the victim. Other people are doing stuff to me all the time. And um, I really felt that way. And it, it took a lot of patient phone calls with my sponsor for me to get to the point that, you know, sometimes my part is that I have expectations for other people that are completely unrealistic and, and, and selfish. And a lot of times my part is self-seeking. And a lot of times my part is um, looking for what I can get from a situation rather than what I can give and be of service. Um, and whenever I'm in those defects, I'm, I'm sort of at an ill at ease with life. It looks, it's on a much lower scale than it was when I came into program, but it's still the same core issue, if you know what I mean. And I feel like um, it's like an onion where I'm just peeling back a deeper and deeper layer at a time. And... Um, I heard this statement when I first came into the rooms around we, we hand it over to our higher power, we hand the outcome over to our higher power and we just do the next right action or we do the footwork and, and let go of the outcome. As a control freak um, who was in denial, didn't think I had a control problem at all, um, you know, that sounded like a, a fine thing for me to do with food, right? Okay, like I get it, I'm defeated on food, but I'm sorry, don't. Don't think that you're going to take away control over my career or my dating life or my this or my that. And what I've found in program is that one by one, I have had to turn those big areas of my life over when I was ready and when they became unmanageable. And I didn't see the unmanageability in all of those other areas. I came in like my food is unmanageable. And I turned that over first. And I saw that turning it over brought me peace and relief. And then all of a sudden now my dating life is completely unmanageable. And I'm pissed, you know, I'm constantly triggered. And the men would do small little things I didn't like. And I'd be like, never mind, you know. And I'm like, that's not a real healthy way to be approaching, you know. And I'm like, how And my sponsor said to me one time, if you get bothered by, you know, a delay in a text message response, how do you think you're ever going to live with a man? Like, they do things all the time. Like, this is not... And I, and I thought, okay, like, <coughs> left to my own ego and my own way of running it is not going to work out for me. And if I want a relationship and I want to be in a healthy relationship, I have to turn this over. What does that look like? Well, that looks like really scary, you know, scary for me. So working the steps around er every area of my life, um, right now I'm working on turning my career over because I feel like, you know, that's a real strong ego one for me. I've made it happen, right? Really? Have I? Or... <laughs> I mean, I'm not really in control of, of many, many, many things in that area. And so things will happen in the workday that won't please me, and I have tools now. Um, I take a step away and I go meditate. I make a program call. I write my feelings out. I do a 10th step. And my 10th step is 
all, you know, my, fir my first couple 10 steps in the program were like, you know, for pages writing what the other person had done, right? Because you're supposed to say, what's the situation? Let me tell you, right? Like, oh, blah, blah. and then um, my part, I'd sort of get stumped. Like, well, I, I'm in the wrong place of these jerks. I'm in the jerk's path, you know, like, what is it? What is my part? And, you know, now the writing looks like a couple sentences on what upset me. And now it looks like, was I self-seeking? Yes. Was I looking for only what I could get out of the situation? Yes. Was I of service? No. Was I, do I have a resentment? Yes. Do I, you know, was I dishonest? Yes. I'm dishonest about the nature of the world. I mean, I just am not in constant denial about it. And I, my selfishness is usually around, I think, all the actions of other people are because of me or about me or due to something I did or didn't say. And um, the tenth step brings me such relief because it reminds me, have you brought your higher power into this situation? Do you truly believe that your career will be, t in this instance, your career or your love life or your food or whatever will be taken care of in your higher power's time? And when I'm in my little ego brouhaha, um, it's because I've clearly set higher power over on the side of the road. Like, mm, I don't trust that you have this. And so... For me, turning things over to a higher power looks like a lot of visualization and meditation. I like to visualize all the places my body is holding on to an outcome. Like it's sitting in my stomach, it's gray, it's lumpy, or it's maybe in my shoulders and it's hot and it's tight. And I envision taking all of those pieces around my body and, and kind of pulling them out into one brilliant ball of light and just sort of passing it over to my higher power. And my higher power is usually on a, we're usually, I'm sitting on the riverbank, my higher power is on a, on a barge that's sort of passing and I say, here you go. I trust that you're going you know, downstream and you know what's down there. I don't, I'm sitting at one point in time and I would like to feel peace today around this. And um, that brings me an enormous amount of relief. And um, this program, um, I came in thinking that it was all about the food and that you guys were gonna teach me how to eat, and you have taught me how to eat, um, but most importantly, you, it's given me a program for how to live a more serene and peaceful life. And when I think about that first meeting when I walked in, um, that was the thing that struck me the most, was that people were sitting there and they were sharing about imperfect lives they had some of them were struggling with major major problems death in the family children in addiction issues with divorce and yet they were managing and peaceful um, despite their problems not being solved and at the time I couldn't imagine not being peaceful and serene until everything had to be just perfect um, I'm sure all of you are, or many of you are probably familiar with the when I'm thin fantasy. When I reach my goal weight, life will poof, magically be perfect. Um, I had that for many years that just transitioned into another thing, right? When I buy a house, my life will be perfect. When I get the right job, my life will be perfect. When I meet the right guy, my life will be perfect. When this happens, my life will be perfect. When I get a dog, life will be perfect. Uh, it's, it, and every time my higher power has put the, well, except the house, we're not, you know, the Bay Area, but enough said. Um, my higher power has put those things in my life, um, and what do you know, life is still life. It's not perfect. There's a, you know, a, um, 
an ongoing surrender process for the, what's next and what's the next phase. And surrender is probably my, my biggest uh, learning and thing that I'm actively working on. What does it look like to surrender this particular issue? What does it look like to be an acceptance around this particular issue? Um, my very beloved cat died in May of this year, and it was probably the most profound grief that I've experienced to date, which is sort of um, shocking to say because my dad died a couple m months prior, but we were not um, very close, but this cat was like, oh, my child, right? And um, it was the first time I went through something like that without picking up and without using food, and it was really, really hard. And, um, and I did it anyway, right? And, it, and, it, and I feel, it feels interesting and strange to say that in my mid-30s, I'm only just now experiencing emotions and, and understanding like, oh, this is what a grief process looks like because I'd always used food. Um, and so things will surprise me. Like one day I'll just feel really sad and I'm like, oh my God, I'm still sad about Max. I should be over it by now, right? And then I'm like, oh, well, how do you know you should be over it by now? Because y your solution before was just to eat through everything. So um, I'm trying to go through life with a, um, a curious mind. What does it look like without the food? Um, yes, the lows are lower, but the highs are higher. And the joy of being abstinent and living life uh, on life's terms is, is just a, a wonderful gift and a relationship with a higher power and a relationship with my fellows. Is that the end? Yay, I'm wrapping up now. Thank you all for letting me share.